0: And that's hard, man, that's, that's real, Morgan is out today, she's sick, and then Ryan sang that song, and he is real sick. Um, so I'm trying not to get anything from his microphone. Uh, he was, man, we were praying for him backstage, and so that's, that, these guys, uh, these men and women, man, they do a lot for us here every week. Hey, right now our ushers are going to go ahead and get in place, we're going to continue to worship uh, as, we, uh, as we receive our offering, we're going to continue to worship, we just worship God, singing. Praises to Him. We're about to worship God as we open His Word, and so we're going to keep with worship as we give back a portion of what God has given to us. That's what worship always is. Worship is an offering. Worship is a sacrifice. Doesn't matter if you give financially. Doesn't matter if you sing. Worship is always giving. It always is. All right. And so, uh, so, so right now, I just want to thank everybody that's going to give, whether it's here, whether it's online. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then our ushers can go ahead, and we can receive our offering, and I want to share a few things uh, with you this morning. Let's pray. Let's pray. Dear God, we come to you right now, God, in the strong name of Jesus, and I praise you, God, for everything that we just declared. And God, I come to you, and I thank you for this offering that we are about to receive. And Jesus, I pray for it. I pray for every single person that gives, whether it's here, God, whether it's online, however you lead people to give, God, take this offering And Father, use it for the glory of your name. Use it, God, for the spread of the gospel. Use it to start other churches. Use it that teenagers and kids and moms and dads, grandparents, people would be saved and be discipled and and grow, and then they would go out and transform the world. Father, take what we give here, take what we give online, and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. You guys go ahead and uh, can begin that. You can go ahead and give. And... um, and a few things uh, while they're doing that, okay? So while we're receiving our offering, I want, you, want to mention uh, just a couple things to you before we dive into uh, the sermon today. Right after church today, right after church in the multipurpose room is our next partnership event. Now, partnership is what we call membership, okay? So uh, if you want to take that step, maybe you've been coming to Summit for a while and, uh, and you know, you, you're, you're serving, you're in a group, Um, and you're thinking, man, I would love to make this my church. The way that you can really make this your church officially is to become a partner. Say, how do I become a partner? The way that you become a partner is we ask you to come to a thing that we call the partnership event. It's there that we kind of talk about our church's vision, where our church is going, and it takes about 45 minutes to an hour. Lunch is provided for you and your family. If you signed up or if you didn't sign up, we've got food for you, and we'd love for you to stick around today for the partnership event. That's in the multi-purpose room where kids meet. takes usually about 15 minutes, uh, 10 to 15 minutes rather, to flip that, get the kids' stuff up, put tables down. If you want to stick around for the partnership event, we would love for you to do that. All you've got to do is just make your way back to the multi-purpose room uh, there after church today. But if today is your very first time, we are so excited to have you here. If you are with us today for the very first time or you're with us today, you're a returning guest, we've got a free gift for you today at our welcome table. And all we ask you to do is when you walked in today, hopefully one of our guest service volunteers gave you a connection card. You can take that card out there to the welcome table and we've got a free gift for every first time guest and every returning guest. So it's all out there at the table. We would love for you to grab one of those, to stop by the welcome table, uh, drop that card off and pick up that free gift today. All right. So we are excited to have you here, and if you want to stick around for the partnership event, just want to throw that out there to you, Uh, man, we would love for you guys to stick around for the partnership event. Hey, if you got a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible to the book of Colossians, all right? So we are in a series where we are going through the whole New Testament. Every uh, Sunday is a different book, and so today we are in the book of Colossians. Is where we're at. Okay, so it's uh, just a couple short chapters. You might need to use your table of contents. I don't know if you're having a hard time finding it because it's a very tiny book. Uh, but we are in the book of Colossians. We're going to be in chapter one here in just a minute. Um, but uh, uh, let's start out this way. When I was little, when I was little, I don't know why. I, I don't know why this is true about me. But when I was little, I was really scared of vampires. I don't know why I'd never had a bad encounter with one or anything like that, uh, but I was just really scared, like really, really freaked out uh, by vampires. I didn't, like, watch movies like that or anything. I don't know where it, that fear came into my life, but it was a big deal. It was such a big deal for me that every single time, I, and, I was, and I was real little. I was, like, 30 when this was going on. And, um, and so, uh, so, but when I was little, I was really scared of them, and this was such a big deal for me. I promise this is true. Every single night when I was going to bed, I would make sure that my covers were pulled up over my neck because if a vampire breaks in your house and your covers are pulled up, man, they can't, they can't handle that, right? Covers are the impenetrable force for every vampire. But I was convinced that was going to keep me alive. Everybody else in my house was going down, but I was thinking this thing through. They were not taking me, okay? And then a couple of years after that, uh, still un, I think I was younger than 10. I can't remember. I don't even know where this happened. Uh, a couple of years after that, uh, that fear uh, transferred into uh, something else. I, uh, I accidentally... And now I'm a, really, I'm a movie guy, but I am not a horror movie person. Like, I'm not into horror movies at all. Not for any, like, just because they freak me out and I pee all over myself. Um, but uh, I just can't handle scary stuff, really. And, uh, but I accidentally, like, saw some of the Halloween movie. You know that movie, Halloween? Michael Myers. <laughs> right? I remember, listen, listen, I have lost sleep over that dude still to this day, all right? Like, that just freaked, I, when I saw that, that was, that just scared me to death. I was just, and I lost sleep over it. I would wake up, have nightmares, all kinds of different things. Um, and, and I don't know, and, and as you get older, as you get older, you know, your fears change, don't they? As you get older, your fears change. I mean, you know, it's not, you know, maybe you're not scared of monsters, but as you get older, you become scared of things like bills, right? And vampires sound way cooler than bills, but you can lose some sleep over some bills, right? Right? Like whether or not you can pay the light bill, right? That's a horrifying bill, okay? Uh, or, you know, the, the heating and air bill, you know, you, whether, whether or not, you, so you can lose sleep over these things. I mean, yeah, your fears might change, but let me ask you a question this morning. What keeps you up at night? Like, what? at that point where you ought to be sleeping, you know, it's 2 o'clock in the night, you know, it's, it's it's 1 o'clock in the morning, it's 2, it's 3, it's 4, everybody else is asleep, you ought to be asleep, but instead you're not asleep because you're up worrying. You're, you're up scared. Maybe you were asleep and all of a sudden just something popped in your head and you shot up and you were wide awake and, and now you can't go to sleep. You've got that worried feeling in the pit of your stomach. Do you know that feeling? You know what I'm talking about? There's nothing worse than that. So instead of sleeping, you're up Worrying, You're up scared. You're up scheming, trying to figure out a way to get out of the mess that you might be in. Or, or maybe nothing keeps you up at night. Maybe you're sleeping perfectly fine through the night, but as soon as you wake up, you're worried about it. And you're worried about it at work, and you're worried about it when you're eating dinner with your family, and you're worried about it when you're watching TV and when you're at school, and you're, just, you're sleeping fine at night, but you're scared to death during the day. What is that for you? Maybe, maybe it is Bill's. Maybe it's a test coming up. Maybe it's whether or not you're gonna get into that school. Maybe what's keeping you up at night is a doctor's appointment that you've got coming up. Maybe what's keeping you up at night isn't a doctor's appointment, but you felt sick and then you Googled your symptoms and you found out you've got two weeks to live, right? Maybe you, I, I don't know. I don't, what, what is keeping you up at night? What are you scared of? Well, here's the reason that we're asking that and we're in the book of Colossians today. I wanna teach you something today that somebody taught me uh, one time and, and it has honestly been one of the most helpful and practical things that God has used consistently in my life since I became a follower of Jesus in April 1996. And it's just something that God just uses in my life uh, really on an on almost daily basis. When I read the Bible for myself, you know, in my quiet time or my devotion right now, I'm reading through the New Testament for the multiply plan like a lot of you. Uh, but when I read the Bible, I usually do this every single day. I usually ask myself two questions, two questions that I ask myself. And God has used this consistently in my life uh, to draw me closer to him, really to help me understand The Bible, because here's the thing, some, and I hope you know this. God doesn't want us to talk about the Bible and and sing about the Bible and know a lot about the Bible, but never experience the Bible. Do you know what I mean? God, God doesn't want me to get up on this stage and talk about the transforming power of Jesus, but I'm not experiencing the transforming power of Jesus. Do you know what I mean? You know, a really, a really good preacher way to say it is, is to say something like this. God's not interested in information. He's interested in transformation, and that comes through application. Man, that sounds really preachery. If I had some fried chicken up here, it would be complete. That's all I got to say. All right, give me a suit and some fried chicken, and I'm ready to go with that bad boy. But, but God has just used these two questions in my life to help me apply his word, and I've just seen God use it on a consistent basis. And those two questions are simply this. You should write this down. I think it's in our app as well. But you should write these two questions down. Here they are. Where am I and who is Jesus? Where am I? And who is Jesus? God uses those two questions in my life. I go back to those questions every single day. So so where am I? That usually starts. There's a place in my house. There's a there's a there's a place in my house where every single day I get up really early and I go there and I have a cup of coffee and I sit in this recliner and I'm reading my Bible and, and, and I always ask these two questions. First off, where am I? What am I feeling in that moment? Am I scared? Am I nervous? Am I excited? Do I feel like I'm trapped? Do I feel like my world is falling apart? Where am I at any moment of any day? Where am I? And then here's the next question, and it is the most important question. The most important question is who is Jesus? And the reason that that is the most important question is because the way I feel does not change who he is. Does that make sense? And, and so, so here's, here's what God wants, uh, wants, wants us to do. My kids, I, I've, I've got three kids, and, and uh, my, I've got three kids. They're all pretty young. And when my kids were really little, they liked to do connect the dots. You know what I'm saying? Connect the dots. Everybody's done that. Uh, we all know what I'm talking about there. But, you know, there's dots on a page. And if one dot connects to another dot, connects to another dot, connects to another dot, eventually, boom, a brontosaurus. And so that's the way that connect the dots kind of work. You know, there's dots, and then you connect the dots, and you get a picture. See, what God wants to do is God wants you and I to connect the dots from where we are to who he is. From where we are to who he is. And and, and the reason that we're bringing this up is because in the book of Colossians, that is the main question. Who is Jesus? In In this church in the city of Colossae, that's the letter that Paul is writing to this church in the city of Colossae, there is a heresy, a false teaching going around this church, people have come into this church and they've started talking to people and they're spreading a false doctrine and it's called Gnosticism, okay? Let's all say that just for kicks, all right? Just for fun, let's all say Gnosticism. One, two, three, Gnosticism. When you're out at the restaurant and they say, hey, what'd they talk about at Summit today? Say Gnosticism and see what happens, okay? Gnosticism is basically the idea that everything physical or material is bad, and everything spiritual is good, okay? So, so matter, like flesh, like skin, you and me matter. It's bad, it's evil, it's dirty, it's nasty. Spirit is good. And the reason that that's a big deal, you're like, well, I don't really understand much of that at all. Why is that? A, why, what's the big deal there? Here's why that's a big deal. Because Jesus was 100% God and what? Man. And so these people were saying, listen, 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 listen. Flesh is dirty. Flesh is bad. Material things are bad. Jesus was not God because Jesus was a man. Do you see that? So there was massive confusion. May not be in confusion for you, but remember, man, remember, Christianity is still this really small, fragile thing by, an, by, by a lot of accounts. And so there's this question, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And maybe that's the question that you and I need to answer as we've walked in here, and maybe you're not right now, but you spent the majority of this week scared. You spent the majority of this week worried. You spent the majority of this week angry, freaking out. We need to ask that question, who is Jesus? And so here's what we're gonna do. Today, we are gonna be in a couple of verses in Colossians chapter one. Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20 is where we're gonna be today. Colossians chapter one. Verses 15 through 20 is where we're going to be. And listen, listen, if you have never read these verses, these are some of the most tight and powerful verses in the entire Scriptures when it comes to who Jesus is. Have you ever been somewhere, maybe it's the Grand Canyon? I've never been to the Grand Canyon, but I know everybody that's been to the Grand Canyon that I know has told me it's something that just, when you see it, you stop, and it takes your breath away. You ever seen anything? like that, been somewhere like that. Just the sight of it was just so awe-inspiring, so majestic. It just stopped you right in your tracks, and it just it just took your breath away. You just couldn't say anything. That is exactly the feeling that Paul is trying to give you and me about Jesus in these verses. These are big verses, church. These are massive verses, okay? So, so I want you to feel this, and I, I didn't want to read it and just kind of kind of just shoot through it and then we do the sermon and then you go home. I want you to pause for a second and to take these verses in. And the first church I ever worked at, uh, was Pleasurable Baptist Church. I worked there for a little over six years. I was their associate pastor, uh, youth pastor. And, um, and every single Sunday when the preacher would read verses from the Bible, we would all stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word, out of respect. In the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, Ezra's a preacher. And every time Ezra, it says, would open up the scriptures, the people stood out of respect because God was speaking. Summit. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. Every time we read the Bible, God is talking. Do you know that? If this is the word of God, if this is the word of God on a page, when you're at home reading it, God is talking to you. Well, God didn't speak to me. Yeah, he did. He's on, right here. So, so God is about to talk in the forum. This is not Mark Holmes. This is the voice of God on a page. And that ought to stop us. Do you see what we're doing here? So I want us all to stand as we read this today, okay? So we're all gonna stand. We don't wanna just fly by this and go about our day. God is going to talk and give us a big picture of Jesus, Colossians chapter one, verses 15 through 20, says this, "'He is the image of the invisible God, "'the firstborn of all creation. "'For by him all things were created "'in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, "'whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. "'All things were created through him and for him. "'And he is before all things, and in him all things.'" Hold together, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus Jesus, help us to feel the weight of what we just read. That you are in heaven on the throne of the universe and all things are before you and answer to you, were made by you and will bow down to you. All things. So help us to believe it and to experience it in in these moments, in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys go ahead and grab a seat. So who is Jesus? Really, there's one word that God, through the Apostle Paul, wants us to grab when we're talking about Jesus, and it's the word that we actually read. It's the, it, we, we actually read that word in verse 18. If there's one word that we could say, who is Jesus, in Colossians 1, 15 through 20, it's this, Jesus is preeminent. Now, preeminent might be a new word for you. It might be a word that you don't use a lot. What does preeminent mean? Preeminent just simply means this, first. That's what it means. Preeminent means first. The idea is this, Jesus is first, okay? Jesus is first. Everybody say that. Say, Jesus is first. Jesus is first. Jesus wants to be first in your life, first in your relationships, first in your finances, first in the way you think about your future, first in the way we think about marriage and dating, first in the way we think about raising our kids. Jesus wants to be first because here's this, Jesus wants to be first because he is first right now right Jesus wants to be first in my life because he is first right now he is preeminent and at least 5 times in those 5 times in that passage that we read Paul uses the phrase all things Paul uses the phrase all things at least five times. One other time he says that Jesus is over everything. So, so all things in Colossians 1, 15 through 20 is kind of like this junk drawer that we can put everything about our lives into. Jesus is over all things. How many of you have a junk drawer at home? Junk drawer, right? You know what goes in the junk drawer? Anything that you don't know where it goes. Right, you got a junk drawer. I actually brought a junk drawer with me today. Okay, I got a junk drawer here, and um, and so I've got a, uh, I've got a tape measure here. Uh, this is not my. I actually, took this from the kids area back there, and uh, and so I got some coffee stirrers. I have a latex glove that looks like it's been used. Um, that's disgusting, actually. I've got a I've got a clipboard. This is my all things junk drawer. All things in my life go in here. And so, so maybe, maybe the thing you're fr- afraid of right now, maybe the thing that, that you're scared about, maybe it's money, okay? And you are worried about the money, the lack of money. You're worried about bills. And so maybe money is what you're worried about. Money goes in the all things drawer, right? Jesus is over what? Everybody say it, all things. Money goes in the, in the all things drawer. Or maybe you're worried about your family, Maybe you're worried about your husband. Maybe you're worried about your wife. Maybe you're worried about your kids, and maybe you're losing sleep over the decisions that they're making, the direction it's going. Family goes in the all things drawer. Do you see what we're doing? Right? Do you see what we're doing here? Or maybe you're worried about your future. You don't really know what you're going to do after school. You don't really know what you're going to do later on this week. You don't really know how that situation's going to turn out. Future goes in the all things drawer. Maybe you're worried about your job, whether or not you're going to have one or keep it. Job goes in the all things drawer. Or here's one maybe you're worried about School, school goes in the all things drawer. Or just in case I miss something, whatever keeps us up at night, okay? Whatever keeps you up at night goes in the all things drawer. Because here's the idea. Jesus is over all things. And I hear that too. And I amen that too. And my question is, Why am I so why am I so scared all the time? You give me a microphone, I can stand up here and yell, Jesus is in control! But you know what? I freak out a lot. Here's why. Here's why I freak out a lot. Because there is a disconnect in my heart between who Jesus is and where I am. Do you see that? Today, we're going to try to connect some of those dots. And the way we connect those dots is we see that Jesus is over all things. All things. So I want to see three things that Jesus is over about those all things there. So the first thing I want you to see today is I want you to see that all things are for Jesus. All things are for Jesus. Jesus, in verse 15, it says that Jesus is the firstborn of creation. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus was the first thing created and then everything else was made after him. No, Jesus has always been the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God. Jesus was never, uh, Jesus was never uh, you know, created. He's always been God. But what firstborn of creation means, it means that in Genesis 1, Jesus was there. Jesus was there in Genesis 1, and when God the Father created everything, God the Father created everything through the person of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is greater than all creation, and all creation bows down and submits to Jesus. He's the firstborn. He's he's greater than all creation. You know, you think about it this way, like the president is the commander-in-chief of the military. All the military forces are available to him to do what he wants. Well, Jesus is the commander-in-chief of everything, of all things, weather, nature, people, all things, all things. He's the commander of all of it. And see, one of the perks of being the firstborn of creation, the greatest thing in the universe is what it's saying. One of the perks is that when you make something, you get to tell that thing that you made why you made it. You get to define the reason that everything exists if you are Jesus Christ. And so listen to, what, listen to what it says here about Jesus, verse 16. For by Jesus all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible, and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and what? For him. For him. All things were made for Jesus See, man, we need to highlight that. We might even need to get that tattooed on us. We need to put that somewhere where we can see it every single day because God just put in the Bible the very reason that you and I exist. How many of you have ever looked at your life and said, man, what's the purpose of life? You ever wondered that? Man, why am I here? What am I supposed to do? What's this whole thing about? And there's all kinds of different answers for that. Maybe somebody says, well, life's all about making money or life's about making, making ourselves happy. Or here's a question that Christians ask all the time. What's God's will for my life? How many of you have ever asked that question? What is God's will for my life? All kinds of followers of Jesus, they all want to know that. Listen, so many followers of Jesus make it complicated. Well, we make make knowing God's will this really mysterious thing, and it's out there, and we never know if God's going to tell us or not. Listen, summit, God put in the Bible on black and white there in verse 16, his will for our lives. What is that will? God's will for my life is to glorify Jesus. That's it. The will of God for your life and for mine is that we would glorify Jesus. Why? Because we were made for Jesus. The Westminster Confession of Faith, one of, the greatest, one of the greatest statements of theology ever produced in the history of Christianity starts out this way. What is the chief end of man? Answer, the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. See, See, we exist for Jesus. Jesus does not exist for us. Okay? Jesus does not exist to give us the car we want, the house we want, the friends we want, the boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse we want. Jesus does not exist to give us the life we want. We exist for Him. Listen, Jesus' ultimate purpose. Jesus does not exist for us. Jesus' ultimate purpose is to glorify Himself. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus' ultimate purpose is to glorify Jesus? Jesus is all about Jesus, y'all. Do you know that? He's all, and listen, listen, that is a good thing that Jesus is all about Jesus. And here's why, here's why, here's why. Imagine if Jesus gave you everything you've ever wanted. Imagine it. All the cars and money and houses. Imagine if, I don't know what you want, but imagine if Jesus gave you every single thing you ever wanted, but you couldn't have him. Okay? Tons of money, tons of cars, awesome house, tons of Instagram followers, it's amazing. But you couldn't know him. And you couldn't have a relationship with him. Listen, if Jesus did that, you know what it would show? It would show this, he doesn't love us. And the reason that it would show that he doesn't love us if he gave us everything but he withheld himself, the reason that, show, that would show us that Jesus doesn't love us is because Jesus would be holding back the best thing and he is the best thing. Do you see this? See, if Jesus gave us all the stuff in the world that we would want, and if we fill our lives with all kinds of stuff, Jesus loves us enough to never let us be satisfied with stuff because we weren't made for stuff. We were made for him. We were made to glorify and honor Jesus Christ. You can do that as a middle school or high school student. You can do that as a mom, dad, grandparent. You can do that in a hospital bed. You can do that when you're healthy and when you're not. You can do that with a platform that influences thousands of people, or you can do that with a platform that influences maybe one or two. But in all seasons of our lives, we can glorify God. And listen to me; that is especially true with pain. That's especially true in times where we're going through a trial. That's especially true in times where we suffer. See, so many times when th- when we're going through those seasons. Of suffering we look at God and we say, "God, why am I going through this? God, what's going on?" And we think that there's absolutely no purpose for it, but did you know that the Bible says in James chapter one that we can count it all joy when we go through trials of various kinds. Why? Because God doesn't send the trial into our lives to be some pointless season. God lets us walk through trials so that in that trial we can glorify Him. right? See, listen to me. Listen to me, I can still still worship God even though he might not answer all my questions, amen? I can still worship God and choose thankfulness even though things might not be going the way that I want them to go. Listen, if all things are for Jesus, there isn't a season of my life that I can't walk through and bring the Son of God glory. All things are for him. But not only that, number two, all things are held together by Jesus. All things, verse 17 says, are held together by Jesus. He's before all things, and in him all things hold together. Jesus is the gorilla glue of creation. That's what that says, okay? All things are held together. And listen, that's good news because when I watch the news right now, it looks like all things are falling apart, right? What, what about this country? Do they have a nuclear weapon? What about, what about this ruler? What about this dictator? What about this person? What are we going to do here? It looks like the world is falling apart, and then we look in the mirror of our own lives, and it doesn't look much better, does it? We're stressed. We're worried. We're anxious. We're angry. We're freaking out, and we're thinking, oh, my gosh, everything is falling apart. But this is saying that everything is being held together. See, we have a spiritual enemy that is going to do every, every single thing that he can to stop you and I from believing that Jesus right now holds all things together. He's going to get you to compare your life to other people so that when you look at their life, you can't be thankful and, and praise God. He's going to tell you that if God really cared about you, he wouldn't let you go through that. He's going to tell you that your situation is way too complicated for God to get you out of. Satan is going to try to do every single thing he can to stop you and I from believing that Jesus holds all things together. That's why we need to realize in this verse that Jesus really does hold all things together. And then verse 18 says this, He is the head of the body, the church. Says he's holding all things together, especially the church. Now, when you read the church, don't think building. He's not talking about building, is he? Who is the church? We're the church. We're the church. Jesus says, "Listen, I want. I listen, I'm holding everything together, but I especially want my children to know that I'm taking care of them." I especially want my kids to know that I've got their back. See, we are the people of God's summit. We are the sons and daughters of the one true and living God. And he says, I'm holding all things together, but I'm really holding you together. I'm really holding the church together. When, when somebody messes with your kids, what do you want to do? Punch them in the throat, okay? I know we're at church, oh, well, brother, we just pray for them, we just pray blessings upon their life. You pray for them after you probably run over their foot is what you do, okay? That's how I know, I know some of you, okay? And, but you want to protect them, right? You want to know you care about, you want them to know that, that you are taking care of them. Listen, if we want to do that, how much more does Jesus want to do that with his kids? Jesus wants to pick up us up and say, listen, I love you, I know your need, I know your fear, and I am holding all Things together. Do you see that this morning? Do you see that? that that your heavenly Father is holding your life together? There isn't a need you have He doesn't know about, in a fear that you have that He doesn't know about. He is the head of the body, the church. And can I? Let me say one more thing. Let me say one more thing. I got a couple of minutes here. Can I say one more thing? It doesn't matter. I got the mic. I was going to anyway. It's in my sermon notes. You're stuck. All right. We've locked the doors. Um. Notice this. Notice this in verse eighteen. He is the head of the body, the what? The church. He is the head of the church. Listen, the only organization in the world that Jesus Christ died for and bled for is the church. Jesus did not give his life for Washington, D.C., the Democratic Party, or the Republican Party. And the reason I bring that up is because I see a lot of people online and I hear a lot of conversations right now where people are putting all of their hope and all of their eggs in the basket of what happens to Washington. And I want you to know when Jesus comes back, He is not going to Washington, D.C., He is not. Jesus Christ is coming back for the church. He is invested in the church. It is the only organization that the Son of God said will last forever, and Satan can't even defeat it. So let me ask you a question. Does the church matter to you? Does it? Jesus invested his life in it. Are you invested in this? Well, not really. I really just come and I enjoy the music. Mark, I can tolerate you for a few minutes every Sunday but I'm really not invested, I really don't think about it except when I'm here, I really don't pray for it. I want you to know Jesus has more for you than that. Maybe one of the reasons you're not invested in it, maybe you'll find this, maybe you'll find this really uncomfortable, maybe one of the reasons you're not invested here is because you don't give here. Maybe one of the reasons you're not invested here is because you don't serve here. Maybe one of the reasons you're not invested here is because you're not getting in community here and you're not building relationships with people. See, here's what Jesus says. Jesus says that my heart, my heart follows what I treasure. Where your treasure is, there your heart is. You know why, You know how you can know I treasure my kids and I love my kids? I'm invested in my kids. I pray for them. I spend money on them. You know how you know you can know that I'm invested in my wife? I spend time with her. I care about her. I'm concerned about her. How can we know if we're invested in the church? Are you investing in it? Are you giving some of your time there? Are you, are you putting your life into the one organization that Jesus said he will build? Or are you just fired up that Donald Trump got president? Some of us... I'm not trying, I'm, some of us need to do a real heart check here because we are way more concerned about people getting in office than we are concerned about people going to heaven. And we need to ask ourselves, what kingdom am I a citizen of? The kingdom of America or the kingdom of God? They are not the same. That was free, number three. I better move on, some of you are loading your guns. All things will be reconciled by Jesus, all right? Number three, all things will be reconciled by Jesus. Verse 20, through him to reconcile all things to himself. Jesus is gonna reconcile all things to himself. So see, when when Jesus died on the cross, we think that Jesus died just to reconcile us, but verse 20 says that Jesus died to reconcile everything to God, all of creation, in Genesis chapter 3, when sin enters the world, God looks at Satan and Adam and Eve, and he says, you know what? I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make right every wrong that happened right here in the garden. You fast forward to the cross of Jesus, and Jesus is reconciling all of creation back to God. That's exactly why the book of Revelation in 21 and 22, Revelation doesn't end with you and I in heaven as chubby naked baby angels floating around. Right? Right? It doesn't end that way. Revelation ends this way. The new heavens and the new earth are coming down out of heaven. God renews this creation. God makes this creation right. And in the new heavens and new earth that Jesus is bringing, listen, there is no death. There is no disease. There is no disappointment. There is no loneliness. There is no setback. Jesus is reconciling all things to himself. Here's why that matters that matters because that means the greatest fear in your life will not get the last word in your life. Jesus will. Your deepest regret will not get the last word over your life. Jesus will the thing that brings you the most shame and you try to hide in your closet and hope no one ever knows about because if it became public, it would ruin you, it will not get the last word over your life. Jesus Christ will get the last word over your life. So I don't know what is in your all things junk drawer. I don't know what keeps you up at night. I don't know if you're scared about school, job, money. I don't know what any of these things are for you that you are scared of, you are nervous of, but they are going in the all things drawer where Jesus is over all things and at the end of the day no matter what your fear no matter what your anxiety Jesus gets the last word because he is reconciling making right all things let's close with two questions number one where are you what are you scared of right now what are you nervous about right now maybe you're angry right now somebody did something to you somebody did something to your Kids, what? where are you right now? And here's the next question, the last question, and we're done. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And there's a lot of answers to, to the who is Jesus question, but here's the answer we've given today. Jesus is preeminent. He is first over all things. And, and because Jesus is first over all things, then, then, then what that means is that we can connect the dots between where we are, our fears and our insecurities, to who he is. See, I don't know about you. I don't know how you live your life. But one of the reasons that I am so afraid all the time and one of the reasons that my insecurities can just eat my lunch and dominate the way that I live is because I live so much of my life this way right here. I'm just thinking about all of the things that gotta happen at my job, and I'm thinking about all the things that are happening in my family, and I'm just living in the problems. I'm just living in this drawer right here, and I'm looking down at everything that I think is going wrong, and what I need to do, I need to look up to who he is. And so by faith, by faith, right now, we are gonna look to Jesus Christ over all things, and connect that dot between who I am and where we are as families, as a church, as individuals, because I don't know what you walked in here with and I don't know where you've been, but I want you to know Jesus is over all things this morning. All things are under his feet. Would you pray with me? Bow your heads, close your eyes. Jesus, we we started this just by praying, just with the prayer that we would feel this, that we would know this. And I pray that right now, I pray that right now, you would be so good to us and you would show us those areas in our lives where there's this disconnect. Where we talk about how good you are, but really we're just complaining all the time. Where we talk about how you're in control, but we're so filled with anxiety. Where we talk about how we can trust you at all times, but really we're angry and bitter because life's not going the way we hope it would. I pray, Jesus, that right now, right now, help us to connect the dots. Help us to see that, 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 that you are over all things and that we would look up to you, that we would look up to you right now by faith and that you'd be first in our lives. You know, with every head bowed, with every eye closed, this is just a moment between us and God. I'm not going to ask you to get up out of your seats or anything. This is a moment between you and the Lord, and I just believe that that God has spoken to some people here this morning. Maybe God's already, by His Holy Spirit, just connecting some of those dots. Just let me ask a real quick question. I'd love to see you answer this by raising your hands, praying that a lot of hands would go up. How many of you would just simply declare this morning, I want Jesus first in my life? Raise your hand right now. I want Him first in my life. Just a general declaration. I want Him first right now. Raise your hand. Raise your hand high. Virtually every hand in the room. Praise God. Praise God. It's awesome. Praise the Lord. Put your hands down. Now, there are some of you here in the room, and and God's been dealing with you, and God's been speaking to you, and this is what you're thinking. You're thinking, Mark, I would love to have Jesus first in my life. I would would love to have Jesus first in this area, that Jesus would be over all things, especially this area, but that's going to be real hard. I've got to make some significant changes in my life for him to be first right there. If that's you this morning and you'd say, Mark, I, I want Jesus to be first in every area of my life, but there's going to be some real changes I've got to make. Would you pray for me that I would make those changes? Would you just raise your hand right now so I could pray for you? There's a hand right there. There's another hand right there. Just raise it up. There's another hand. Say, There's another hand right there. I want Jesus to be first, but I've got to do some hard things. Will you pray that I do it? Just raise your hand high so I can see it this morning. Hands are going up right over there, right here in the middle. Praise God. Right there's one on the side. Anybody else? Just, that's going to be real. I want to do it, but, man, it's going to be hard, and I need prayer. God, I do pray for these people that are raising their hands. I, I love that so many people are just being honest this morning, saying, I want Jesus first in my life in this area. I want... but, but that's going to be hard. I'm going to have to make some real shifts and changes in my life. So, God, I pray that you would give them strength, give them everything that they need. God, I pray for the person that's right here right now and they are sensing that disconnect. I pray that, God, faith would move in their life. You would build their faith, build their love for you. And right now, just we continue this moment of response where God is at work in, our, in this room, in our lives. I just want to ask, maybe the, reasons Jesus, maybe the reason Jesus isn't first in your life is because you've never given him your life in the first place. Maybe you're not saved. If you're here today and you are not a Christian, you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to know that's why you were made. You were made to know God. You were made to know God. And you can make all kinds of money and be successful and, and respected in the community, but if you do not know God, I just you have missed your purpose. But the good news is that Jesus loves you. No matter who you are or where you've been, you are loved by God. You were created by God, loved by God, brought here today so that you could hear it said that Jesus wants a relationship with you. And all you need to do today is to go to him by faith, ask him to forgive you for your sins, that's called repentance, and make him the Lord of your life. Now, they say, Mark, I would love to do that, but what if I mess up? We all mess up. We all mess up. We all mess up. No one, in the, no one in here is perfect. But the good news is that when we mess up, there is grace to forgive us and grace to keep us going. But right now, if you need to make that move and give Jesus Christ your life for the very first time, I'm going to lead us in a prayer, and these are not magic words, but I just find over and over God uses these words to help people kind of verbalize what God is doing in their life because maybe they don't know what to say. So today, if you want to give your life to Jesus and make him the Lord of your life, I invite you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life today and save me. I give my life to you today for the very first time. Thank you for loving me and dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. Help me to live for you from this moment forward. I want you to be my Lord. And I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. No one is looking around. No eyes are open or anything. But if you just prayed that prayer and asked Jesus to save you, would you just raise your hand right now so that I can see it and celebrate with you? Just, I prayed that prayer today to give my life to Christ. Raise it right now real high. Praise God. There's a hand. Anyone else? Just, today, I gave, today I gave my life to Jesus for the first time. Anyone else? Father, thank you. Jesus is over all things today. The enemy will tell us he's not. The enemy wants us to live in fear, to let anxiety and doubt rule our lives. The enemy wants us to walk around comparing ourselves to other people. Jesus, there is no life there. Life is in you, and you are over all things today. And so, God, as we end this time, I pray that what we've talked about wouldn't end here. It's got to go on. It's got to go with us, Jesus, at work, at school, at home. It's got to go with us. You are over all things, all things. Bow down to you. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Summit, let's give God praise for this morning. Man, let me say this real quick before you move. Please don't uh, try to, everybody jump up. Hang on just a second. Um, I know that today, based on how many hands just now went up, uh, maybe God did something in your life and you made a really significant decision. I would love for everybody in here, just go ahead and grab your connection card right now and just let us know what God did in your life. Go ahead and grab that card. And, and if you gave your life to Jesus today, whether you raised your hand or not, uh, hey, I want you to know that he wants you to tell somebody. And the way that you can do that is on the back of that card, check that box that says, I gave my life to Christ. And on the, in the back of the auditorium, there's going to be people there right now. There are going to be people there giving away free Bibles. And we've got a book that we'd love to give you called Seek First. It's going to help you in that new relationship with Jesus you just started. But if you gave your life to Jesus today, check that box on the back of that card. Put it in one of these baskets. Give it to somebody at our welcome table. Come up and talk to me. I'd love to talk to you uh, about that. Uh, but, man, tell somebody. Any decision that God, lead, God led you to make rather today, any decision God led you to make, let us know on the back that card. And, And if you are planning to stick around for the partnership event, man, we're just so excited to have you take that step. Hey guys, let's all stand up. Everybody stand up. Man, thank you guys so much for coming. So many opportunities this week to make a difference and to serve people. Let's seize them all, guys. You guys are dismissed. See you guys later. Bye, guys.